What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Compile Swift Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Whittem. You can find this podcast at compileswift.com. Let's dive into the just-announced Apple new hardware in the early September event. All right, so we've just gone through the event with Apple. Not really any surprises here from you know the, the topics that were discussed. We have new iPads. There's kind of the, the new standard iPad, as I call it, which has the A15 chip. Uh, weirdly, though, it still has the lightning connector. And I say weirdly because we'll get into that in a little bit. And so, therefore, it still supports just the first generation pencil. However, the other odd thing here is that the base is the base amount of storage is ridiculously small, really, and just completely unrealistic at 64 gig. Because if you take into account a few apps and then trying to install an updated iPad OS later on, I mean, 64 gig is just not going to cut it. I think it's kind of almost ridiculous that they offer that especially based on, you know, the, the base levels of some of the other devices. Along with that, we got what I think is the highlight of the event, personally, the new iPad Minis. Now, the new iPad Mini has a new design that very much matches the iPad Pros and the iPhones, which I think is absolutely fantastic. So I think that's perfect. There are some new colors in there, and the 8.3-inch display is just really, really nice. And they've somehow they've managed to keep the same physical size of the actual device, but get that slightly larger screen with, you know, a smaller edge bevel. I think, honestly, the iPad mini is, is really the standout part of the event here for me. That has a USB-C connector, which is why I made the comment about the iPad having the lightning connector, because that means that the, U the iPad mini now supports the second generation pencil. And to be honest, folks, I really feel like the iPad mini is just at this point, way better, way more useful and compatible than the standard iPad, which I just think is really a peculiar position to be in when you look at Apple's hardware lineup. Because for me, the iPad mini just screams, use me instead of the iPad, which is just weird, right? Um, you know, it really is essentially a small version of the iPad Pro, which I think is just a great form factor. Along with that, the, you know, the Touch ID is now up on the power button, just like it is with the iPad Air. As I've already mentioned, the iPad mini has USB-C support, not Lightning, but it also has 5G, which I guess is not really a surprise, but certainly a very welcome feature on that. I think that the iPad mini is going to become even more popular than it already is as kind of a carry-around device. It also has a 12 megapixel rear camera with true tone flash and a 12 megapixel ultra wide camera on the front that also supports center stage, which is that kind of that thing where it tracks you. You know, if you're moving around, it tracks and keeps you centered on the screen. Overall, this iPad mini is just a great setup, like I say. We also got the new Series 7 watch, a slightly bigger screen in essentially the same form factor size. It's a fraction bigger is what I think that they're saying. It has a much brighter display and, you know, basically they've made this screen bigger by making the bezel on the edge smaller. And it almost has a slight wrap around the edge, but it's kind of a fake wrap around the edge, but it looks really nice, right? I mean, I think that the problem we have here is that the watch cannot really, you know, year on year generations it's not going to change that much physically, right? Because it's you've only got a certain amount of size you can work with. 
on the wrist and you know with the hardware available it does come in the you know the five colors the blue looks really nice i've got the blue iphone and it just looks really nice it also interestingly they may they highlighted an on-screen full alpha numeric sorry alpha keyboard with swipe typing which i think is really important and really fantastic because i just I, typing on the watch even just putting numbers in drives me absolutely nuts as you all know i, I hate on-screen keyboards anyway but being able to use the swipe to do words on the watch i think is going to make it a lot more user-friendly than that sort of weird silly little handwriting thing you can do with your finger that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't anyway that's my opinion on that lastly on the hardware side the iphone 13 of course no great surprise we were expecting that there it does have the smaller notch at the top they say it's about 20 percent smaller okay whatever i don't have a problem with it the size it is but if it's smaller okay great you know it's not really helping you out on the uh, putting content on your screen because you still really cannot put anything up on that line up there with the notch but it's smaller fantastic okay whatever they say the screen is approximately 28 percent brighter it has the a15 with six cores on the cpu and four cores on the gpu the bionic chip uh, that's a lot of power right there's definitely no question that that is a lot of power of course, all of the machine learning and everything else and the privacy stuff that they mention, which I think is kind of funny because they say it all happens on the device, so it's nice and secure. Yeah, that's true. But then let's go wind the clock back a week or two to the, you know, the scanning of the images that's been delayed. But whether it's done on the device or not, it doesn't mean it won't get flagged or reported or anything like that, which I think is becoming a very gray area and i think apple needs to really start thinking about how they portray and, and present this on screen protection uh, sorry on device protection because it's kind of true kind of isn't true anymore uh the one thing that is nice the video capture now has this what they call the cinematic mode it's really a, just a fancy focusing system basically what they've done is they've analyzed a lot of you could say essentially really good movies and you'll have seen this kind of rack focusing idea. The idea being, if you imagine you've got someone close in the foreground, someone in the background, if the person in the foreground looks away from the camera or you can't see their face, it will then sort of transition to focusing to the person on the background. And then based on movement, it will transition back to the foreground. It's kind of a smart focusing system is how I would describe it. It's nice. It'll make you know, terrible home movies, slightly better, but it's not going to make you a cinematographer, which is what Apple wants you to think it will turn you into. But anyway, that's that. It does come now with a base storage of 128 gig. That's sensible. That's a good size, I think, to start from. I don't think it's the size people should use, but again, it's a nice place to start. Now, the iPhone Pro, though, not only do all of these have the new camera systems, but the iPhone Pro, interestingly, is the one that has the 120 hertz capable display. And I say capable because they say it'll go from 10 hertz to 120 hertz. And they were, I don't want to say sketchy on the details, but, you know, it's one of those you've got to go back afterwards and look and see. But it is certainly capable of 120 hertz. I'm thinking that fast moving video, fast moving games... Uh, things like that will use, it'll crank it up to 120 hertz. And then for battery life reasons, it's going to crank it back down to a, a lower refresh rate for battery life. That's fine as long as it works and as long as it's smart. 
But at the end of the day, that was kind of the hardware announcements that we got. And I just wanted to put this out here as a quick episode just to cover those. And especially since I'm now back from vacation and I wanted to get an episode out. So it was convenient timing. So thank you, Apple, for, for timing the announcements for when I got back. And to wrap it up nicely, after the event details, Apple put out there the release candidates for iPad and iOS 15, along with uh, Xcode 13 as well. And I believe watchOS. I haven't seen macOS release candidate drop yet, but that's probably not far behind. So I think it's fair to say that we can expect to see these final releases within a week or two. Uh, certainly now that hopefully these release candidates will be deemed to be good or at least releasable. And that will tie in nicely with the hardware and the final releases of the software coming out. If you found this episode useful and helpful, you know, please, uh, if you don't mind, in your podcaster of choice, leave a review and a rating and some comments. Uh, they certainly help me out. They help me know whether this is going in the right direction for you or not, or whether you want to see something slightly different or you're, you're happy with the content. And I would greatly appreciate it if you wouldn't mind taking a couple of minutes to just leave a review, an honest review. And like I say, that greatly helps promote the podcast and enables me to keep doing this free for everyone as hopefully we can expand the listener base for this. Other than that, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you in the next one, where maybe we will have some new final software to be talking about.